Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators for a successful freelance career and lifestyle with your host, Tess Witte. Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to valuable marketing tips. I, before we move on to the show, I would like to thank today's sponsor, which is WordFinder, the words you want anywhere, anytime. You can find the right terminology faster and easier with WordFinder on your computer, a web browser, smartphone, or tablet. You get access to over 120 dictionaries in 15 languages and many different subject areas. I have used WordFinders for over five years and love it. Find out more at wordfinder.com. Today we're going to discuss literary translations and how to market them and get... Um, our hands on, on a, a contract to translate books. With me today, I have a very experienced literary translator. She, is, can, she lives in Canada, and she translates from Spanish to English, correct? Yes. <laughs> and um, when she's not translating, she's both teaching and practicing Tai Chi. I am very happy to have um, this experienced literary translator with me. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa Carter. Thanks very much, Tess. It's really good to be chatting with you. I am so glad to finally uh, be able to. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to do this for, for a while. Yes. So first, let's, let's tell the listeners and me a little bit more about yourself and your translation career. Mm-hmm. So, as you said, I'm Canadian. I live and work in Ottawa in Canada. Uh, I work Mm -hmm. from Spanish into English, um, and I've been translating for, I think this is my 21st year, so uh, for quite a while. Um, I've done a lot of different things in translation uh, over the years. Um, I started working part-time, then, of course, now I work full-time. I mm-hmm. used to work in the house uh, for a different companies for a number of years, um, but for about the past ten years, uh, I've been slowly growing my my small boutique company, Intralingo Inc. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we work only from Spanish um, into English and English into Spanish. I personally only do Spanish into English. That's all I'm certified for. Mm-hmm. And I got into literary translation about, well, I guess my first book was published about 12 years ago. So I got into it about 13 or 14 years ago. And okay. Yeah, so it's been uh, what, what a long career. What, what did you start with before you tra- translated books? Yeah, so uh, again, a variety of things. Um, a lot of personal documents, you know, for immigrants or people traveling to study um, in Canada or the U.S. Then mm-hmm. I did work, one of the places I worked in house was for um, an engineering firm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so they did, uh, they built um, um, thermoelectric power plants. So very different than literary. Um, and I've also worked in-house at a bank, um, at Scotia Bank. So I did a lot of um, corporate communications, documents, banking, that sort of thing. So is your education in linguistics or translation? In linguistics, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Did you, so you always knew you wanted to become a translator? You know, I didn't know about translation per se. I knew I always wanted to work in languages. And so mm-hmm. I taught languages for a long time. And I slowly, like many translators, I think, slowly just morphed into translation uh, as opposed to starting out with it. And now you have a boutique company. Is it just you or do you have employees? Mm -hmm. So I have one employee and then a number of uh, contractors who are, you know, regular contractors. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're we're tiny still. And it's all literary translation. It's not all literary, no, but what we focus on is primarily anything that's for publication. So we do, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that requires a high level of writing. So we do Mm -hmm. uh, websites for for five-star hotels, uh, for boutique um, travel uh, destinations. Okay. Hmm. That sounds very fun. It is. It is. So do you have a... do you have personally have a, a favorite sh- genre that you work with? Yeah, I I do like true literary fiction. Um, I, yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> okay, it's like picking a a favorite child or something. It's really hard oh, to say. Yeah. But I, I really yeah. I love translating fiction. Um, it's it's my favorite. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I wanted to become a literary translator now, mm-hmm. um, tra- what what should I do? Well, uh, you know, I think there's a few things. I think the very first and most important thing to remember is that it's not an easy path. It's very difficult to get um, any sort of translation work published. Mm-hmm. But that said, I think the important part is to remember that there's many ways of going about it. There's not just one way that you can become a literary translator, but there are many. You can try okay. different things, follow different paths. Um, and, you know, so to, to be able to do that, I think the second most important thing is that you have to learn a lot about the industry. The translation industry or the publishing industry? Perfect question. The publishing (laughs) industry. (laughs) Okay. Because literary translation, it's really mostly about publishing. You have to know who's published what, what genres, where, who deals in translation, what the market is like, what it will bear, um, how to write a query letter to propose or pitch a project to a, um, a publishing house or an editor or an author. So it's really, you have to learn a lot about publishing and writing mm-hmm. as much as you do translation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So do I, do I contact publishing companies or where should I start? Mm-hmm. That's certainly one way to do it. Um, but it's probably the least effective way immediately. So okay. the vast majority of publishers, they'll either have translators that they always use, or they'll just, if it's the first time they're getting into translation, they'll look for recommendations from other editors. So particularly if you're thinking about like the big publishing houses, you know, the, bi- the big five, they call them like Penguin Random House or HarperCollins, Sending an email message there and hoping to get translation work is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. 
But if you look at some of the smaller publishing houses that deal primarily with translation or particular genres, like you were saying, or subject matters, and you have some particular expertise or experience, um, and then you can craft a really tight letter and reach out to an one specific editor, the general okay. email addresses at publishing houses, you'll almost never get a response. But the, probably the way I suggest most to starting literary translators is to contact the author first. If you have okay. an author whose work you admire, write to them. Tell them how much okay. you love their work, that you want to translate it, and then go from there. Try to get a small piece published in a literary journal or a magazine or, or an online okay. journal, and then grow from there. So the author can get you into the publishing house, sort of. Kind of. You'll still have to do most of the work because the author won't necessarily know the publishing market like in your target language. They'll know what it's like in, in their language. So mm -hmm. you're still going to have to do a lot of that work um, to help them get published in, in the new market. But the author will have the rights, usually, to their work. And that's absolutely critical. If you do not have permission from the copyright holder, you cannot mm -hmm. do anything with your translation. You okay. translate it for fun and pleasure, but you cannot submit it to a journal or a publisher or anyone. So contacting the author, who usually owns the copyright, is, uh, is really a critical first step. Okay. So I know that in, in Sweden literary translators, their best bet is to go to the big book fair that they have or publishing fair they have or expo they have once a year. How does how, Do you know how that works here in, in Canada or the United States? Yeah. Is that the same? It's similar. It's um, Again, we publish so much less in translation in North America than happens in Europe. Mm. But um, it's still really important to go to those book fairs when possible. There's Book Expo America in the United States, which usually happens in June. There's the London Book Fair, which happens in the spring in the UK. Um, and the UK one is fantastic in that literary translation always holds, um, it has a big place at the visual. But going to those um, can be really important. Um, in terms of just making contacts, saying hello to people, um, hearing what's being about what's being published and who's publishing in translation. Even if you don't make direct contacts, it's again mm -hmm. that learning about the industry and, and who's publishing what and where. So yeah, I think book fairs can be can be really useful, um, but again, depending on how big they are, you know, they can be a little overwhelming and, and it's hard to, uh, to make those real connections because some of them are pretty big. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have a link to Book Expo America that we can put in the show notes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do actually. I can send okay. that to you. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. thanks. Mm -hmm. So let's let's go back to the where how to start. Mm -hmm. So is it more important for me to market to publishing companies than or to authors, or should I do both? 
You know, I think you can do both because, again, there's many ways that you can, you know, find success as a literary translator. So, you know, try all your options. But contacting the big publishers is it's probably just going to be a waste of your time. They're very, mm-hmm. very unlikely to um, just receive unsolicited emails and CVs. Smaller publishers, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you can, because again, you can make that personal contact. You can find precisely the right editor to email. Um, mm-hmm. So that can work very well. So start with smaller publishers. Yes, yeah. Okay. And authors, you know, authors, again, authors are 99% of the time they're going to be thrilled that you wrote to them, that you would like mm. to, you know, translate their work. They're going to mm. work with you to try and make it happen. They'll give you the permission, um, you know, to translate and, and publish their work. Um, and, you know, and that's that's presuming that you're not okay. you know, writing to a, a massively bestseller, you know, author. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so not Harry Potter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> J.K. Rowling probably already mm. has a translator, or mm-hmm. ten, or fifty. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what about networking and referrals? That's really important. I mean, I think as you've probably heard from almost everybody that you talk to in in whatever type of translation they're doing, it's you know connections matter. Mm-hmm. And by connection, I don't mean who you know, and it doesn't have to be big name, but I'm I'm talking about real connection, connecting with people, talking to them. Um, and whether that's online, it doesn't have to be in person, but really finding that thing that you have in common, the way that you can help them, the way that you can offer something that they maybe didn't even know they wanted, but... Um, yeah, referrals mean a lot. As I mm. say, a, a publisher, you know, they'll they'll have their people that they like to choose as translators. Um, but if that translator is busy or it's a new language that they've never worked with before, they'll probably find a translator through word of mouth by asking other people. So so making your name known and um, yeah, connecting connecting with with authors and editors and publishers help. Okay. That that is also what I found out in in, in Sweden when I was staying there mm-hmm. for a year because I I knew a lot of literary translators where I know yes. that I discussed with then and it, it it's basically there it's impossible unless you get recommended by another yes. translator. Mhm. And the same is true here. Not impossible, but it's certainly harder, um, you know, if you're not, um, yeah, making those connections and and reaching out to different people. Mm, mm. Can you, um, you also help other translators. You do training for for translators who want to become literary translators, correct? Exactly, yep. So, so yeah, that's the other sort of two. I have two other sort of sides of of Interlingo Inc. Um, one is definitely to help uh, literary translators who are interested in breaking into the field um, with different professional development um, opportunities. So, I have currently mm-hmm. three classes. They're all online classes, um, and I'll be adding a fourth one coming up hopefully later this spring. 
Okay. Um, so yeah, it's really important to me. There's, you know, there's, a, there's more information out there these days than when I was starting out about how to get started and things to do, but it's still, it's still not all that, you know, prevalent. And so it's really important to me to share what I've learned and mm-hmm. what other people have told me about their experience because I don't think we need to be a, a closed club and keep other people out but the more of us who are doing literary translation the more we can you know terms and conditions and so yeah um, offering mm-hmm. courses workshops talks uh, all of that's really important to me and you have a very popular blog too and I will link to the both the courses and the blog in the show notes but you say that the courses are online are they self-paced or are they yeah. Live. So currently they're yeah, currently they're they are self-paced in that I provide all of the material in PDF format um once you sign up for the course. But then over that 4-week period, you have pretty much unlimited access to me um to send in the exercises, to talk about your particular situation. Um, to work on a small sample of a literary translation that you can then submit to a journal mm-hmm. to try and get published. So um, it's self-paced, but it's also very interactive with me uh, throughout the four weeks. Oh, so it is, it is sort of time-bound that way. You can sign up whenever, but once you've signed up, you should complete it within four weeks. Exactly. Now, ideally okay. that's the case, but, you know, um, I do understand that we all face illness or or other things in our life, so I'm I, I'm often flexible with that four weeks. <laughs> so can you briefly explain the difference between the three courses? Mm-hmm. So first steps in literary translation is is really for people who've never exp- who just kind of have a vague idea of wanting to do literary translation, but but haven't tried to pursue it at all. So we talk about everything from the very beginning in terms of what is the industry like these days. Uh, We get into how to write um, a literary CV that you can start to build and grow. Um, So it's really for those who are just wanting to take their very first steps. Uh, Next steps in literary translation is for those who already have a, a general idea of what the industry is like, um, who maybe have published, you know, one short story or something, but would like to do more literary translation. So we mm-hmm. we look at things more in detail in terms of. Um, actually, I give out a list of about over a hundred different potential publishers, both journals and um, uh, book publishers. We look at compensation, rights, contracts, royalties, all of that. And mm-hmm. then the third course is more uh it's more writing based. And so it's okay. called defining writing style. And so we take a look at how you can study a source text to really determine the way in which it is written, literary devices and aspects of style it contains so that you can then bear those in mind and reflect them in trend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds very good. So going back to to marketing this again, marketing my translate or literary translation services, mm-hmm. you talked about portfolio and literary CV. Can you explain what that is? 
Yeah, so a portfolio is, is just like any other artist's portfolio. It's actually the samples of your work, and that will grow okay. over time. So um, it's, it's the things that you've published. Um, mm -hmm. It's the things that you've translated that you hope to publish. Um, mm. it's, it's really it's the proof of what you're able to do as a, as a literary translator. And, mm -hmm. and then the CV, the literary CV, just kind of summarizes all of that. And so, okay. you know, as you know, I'm sure all too well, the CVs have to change depending on who you're sending them to, right? Mm -hmm. So a literary CV is different. It has a different focus than a CV that you'd send to an agency or to a private client in that it's really going to hone in and focus on uh, your publishing credits, if you have any, any writing um, experience that you have, including your own writing and, and how it may or may not have been published. Um, mm -hmm. And so... It's much more compact, mm. usually only about a page long, uh, and it's very tailored to highlight your writing and your publishing. So if I haven't had any translations published, do I? what do I put there then? Do I put my, my blog? Or uh, what you can do absolutely I put, exactly, you can put your blog. If you don't have any publishing credits yet, one of the, the things I always suggest is that sort of the the intro paragraph, you know, where you're setting out who you are, that that mm -hmm. really showcase the way that you write, that it be okay. really in your voice and very specific and particular to you. A lot of people have, um, you know, uh, master's degrees or uh, even undergraduate degrees that you know, maybe they, they worked on the university um, journal or paper, things like mm -hmm. that. Those can count for a lot, too. There's always ways to kind of highlight, again, it's, it's about your writing, and there's many more ways that um, you, you can show that even if you haven't been published yet. Okay, mm -hmm. good. So, so I have translated a book. I've receive that and I will receive compensation for each book published. Mm. Do I do any marketing of the actual published book if I would get that far or does the publishing company take care of that? Yeah, you know, things again are changing as the publishing industry changes. So um, the publisher will market your book um, but I think the to remember is that that will vary widely in terms of how much they market it. Uh, but generally, a publisher will market the book and the author, but not the translator. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it really will be up to you to make sure that you're associated with that book and with that author. It also just, I mean, it's part of it to me. I mean, most of us get into literary translation because we're just so excited. We've read something and it's fantastic and we want to bring it to another audience and we spend months working on this literary translation and then it finally comes into the world. Well, it would be silly not to take it that next step and then make sure that you market it so that people know mm -hmm. all that you've done. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a really important aspect that, that we don't often do. We leave it in the publisher's hands, but I don't mm-hmm. think that always benefits us as translators. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what about self-publishing? What if I found a really great book by a not-so-well-known author and I ask for permission to translate it and self-publish? Mm-hmm. Does that work? Yeah, I think that can work fabulously well. Um, self-publishing is not uh, viewed as negatively anymore as it was. It's not like it used to be called vanity publishing, and it's not like mm-hmm. that anymore. It's a very viable method, it's, as you know. You've self-published a book, mm-hmm. um, but it's also it's a really a way to um, yeah to have that creative control over the project. Um, to make sure that a book gets published, because as I say, it can be sure for a translated work. So if you have the opportunity to just get it published via self-publishing, mm-hmm. I think it's a fantastic route. So that that's one way to get started. Absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, of course, there's a lot there that has to be taken into consideration in that, you know, what kind of agreement are you going to have with the author and then who's going to pay for the editing of the book and who's going to pay for the cover design and, you know, all of that publishing process still needs to happen, Mm -hmm. only it will all be up to you instead of having a publisher uh, play their role. Okay. Is there any, are there any guidelines or tips for that process? You know, um, I haven't gone through it uh, yet. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the authors that, that I deal with, they're, they're still really stuck on wanting to be published traditionally, and they're not yes. ready to go through self-publishing, even though I keep encouraging it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing to remember, I would think, is that, again, this has to be if it's going to really showcase your work, it's got to go through the same process as the publisher. Okay. But you need to be edited. You need to have a proper book design. You need to uh, make sure that the final product is really going to be something that you're proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Um, I know you um, have another appointment, uh, so I want to ask one last question. Mm-hmm. I ask it of all the interviewees. Can you share a marketing tip that works well for you right now? Yeah, um, that's a hard question (laughs) 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 because it's always changing. But, you know, um, uh, I think it just goes back to what I was saying before about connecting with people. And probably Mm. one of the the tips and things that I use uh, and would recommend is Connecting with authors and editors and publishers on social media. Mm-hmm. It's really important. I, I was talking to a book publicist last year, and, and she told, I can't even remember the number right now, but she told me that like top editors can get like 10,000 emails a day. Like yes, I've heard something like that. Extraordinary too. number. So the mm-hmm. chances of you actually you know, connecting with them are pretty slim. And yet, mm. they're all on social media. It's a you know two second or two minute day for them to to check you know their messages on Facebook or Twitter, and mm-hmm. often you can make a connection there more easily than you can via email or f- definitely phone. 
mistake. Or at least get recognized when they see the email. Exactly. Yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. Okay. Mm. That's a very good tip. It sounds like a fascinating market. I have not um, yet translated any any fiction or anything. I've translated a business book, but these are great tips for every anyone who want who are interested in it and if they want to learn more they can check out your courses. Absolutely. And I will put the the links in the show notes. So thank you, Lisa. My, my Seems like you My pleasure, Tess. It was nice chatting with you about all of this. It's it's a it's fascinating, and you certainly have um, a lot of wisdom to share here. So, um, thank you very much. Thank you. And I would, I would love to chat about Tai Chi sometime too. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I also want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today, taking time to learn about literary translations. All the show notes can be found at marketingtipsfortranslators.com where you can also um, ask a question by, by voicemail, actually, by clicking a button on the website. Thanks for tuning in again, and I hope you all have a great day. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Tess. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Translators. Download more episodes from www.marketingtipsfortranslators.com. If you like the show, a review on iTunes would be much appreciated. 